Welcome everyone to Mothers in Construction Podcast. I'm your host, Tonya Rivers. Today we are speaking with Tammy Gamble, the girly shop teacher. One thing that I enjoy most about this conversation is Tammy's personality, how she just ropes you in with her energy and her love for the industry, particularly teaching young minds construction education. She also speaks with us about the word no, which is essential to protecting our inner peace. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Don't forget to check us out every Thursday. Like and subscribe. Welcome everyone to Mothers in Construction. I have a very special guest with me today. Hello, everybody. (laughs) Thank you for having me, Tonya. I am Tammy Gamble from Girly Shop Teacher. I've been in construction for my entire life since I was six years old, but formally in construction for the past seven years as a nationally certified building trades instructor. And I am definitely a mother in construction with three sons and my tool belt to prove it. (laughs) Yes, Tammy. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited to have you on the show. Going to talk about your business, your YouTube channel, your energy is just amazing. So thank you so much for coming on with us. And the most important thing is you are a fellow bison. Bison stand up. Yes. It's you. they're not going to be able to stand me. (laughs) All right. That's all right. As long as they put some respect on our names. Yes. (laughs) Halloween University. Yes. So Tammy, talk to us about your path into the construction industry. You say you started at six. Wow. That's that's an early age. Yeah. I started in the construction realm at six years old and it was really a faux pas. I um, told a lie, got in trouble was put on restriction and was sentenced to stay at home with my dad for the week. That particular weekend, he was pouring cement steps for our little house um, on the west side of Detroit. And I learned to build concrete forms and also how to mix cement that weekend and finish it off. So therein began my love for construction. I love that. Yep. So um, fast forward, my dad wound up teaching construction and building trades for the Federal Bureau of Prisons in Steepleville, Texas. And from there, he was very instrumental in making sure that the persons that were living inside of the system were able to have skills once they came back into mainstream society. Mm. But there were some gaps in how he was trying to communicate the lessons. And he was asking at home one night, why don't they understand this? This is a simple concept. And I would say, well, how are you presenting it? And he would tell me and I said, well, daddy, maybe if you say it this way, they'll understand it better. Mm. So vicariously through my dad, I was actually acting as an instructor for those gentlemen that he was working with. And later on in life, in 2014, I took a job teaching construction and building trades for a high school um, on Dallas's southern border. Taught there for five years before branching out to do my own endeavor, which is girly shop teacher. First of all, your dad's story, that is amazing because that is something that's near and dear to my heart. I'm all for rehabilitation, right? And Mm -hmm. the fact that everyone doesn't make the right decisions right away. People having access and skills to be able to change their lives. So I'm so glad that he was a part of that and glad that you were a part of that. And it's amazing that it turned into a business for you. Girly shop teachers, tell us about that. So Girly Shop Teacher really came from being called a name in the Dallas Morning News by my principal. She was the first African-American principal in this particular school district that was female. And the Mm -hmm. interviewer says, well, 
how do you feel about that? She said, well, what's more impressive is that I have an engineering teacher that's a female and a shop teacher that's as girly as they come. Mm. Because the day she met me, I was wearing espadrilles and a pink sundress. (laughs) I am the super girly girl with the nails and the hair. I mean, it's just who I am at my core. But when I heard the name girly shop teacher, it just resonated in my soul. And that night I bought the domain name with no clue what I was going to do with it. It took me probably about a year before I was able to put that onto something. And what happened was I was asked to come and participate as a speaker at a conference that was geared towards women in construction. Mm-hmm. And in the prep work, they said, well, you know, how do you want to be introduced? And they were going to introduce me with my name in the school. And I said, no, I want to be the girly shop teacher. <laughs> I had nothing but those words. I was like, oh, I need a website and I need a logo. <laughs> And I need signage, a paraphernalia and all this stuff. And because I worked at a school that had teachers in every discipline of career technology, I ran around to all my teacher friends and they folded into this thing called Girly Shop Teacher. I mean, even the logo was done by one of my teacher friends, you know, and he was inspired from the screws that I wear in my ears and the nuts and bolts that I wear on my wrist because all of my jewelry is tool jewelry. Oh, I love it. I love it. So, you know, I I went to this conference nice and proud with this name and this logo. And then people were like, so what is the Girly Shop Teacher doing? I'm like, um... (laughs) Um, And from that point, I just continued to teach building trades on the high school level. But as time went on, I started seeing that there were so many students that were not in my class that wanted to learn about the trade. Mm. And so I decided that the mission of Girly Shop Teacher was to put tools in the hands that needed them. And there is no gender, no age, no ethnicity barriers that Mm. come with being able to educate in the space of education. Yes. Or in the space of construction. Yeah. I absolutely love that. You know, I used to be a mentor and it was so important for me to reach back out to the students and kind of get them interested because we're, we're losing Mm -hmm. uh, the interest in the trade, right? We have to do a little bit better with that. My interest in construction actually started through a construction shop class that I took in high school. I'm a girl from the projects in East New York, Brooklyn. There wasn't a lot of access to things there. So I I actually went to a school in downtown Brooklyn that was one of the science schools in New York. And we had majors and my major in uh, high school was architecture. And I had a building construction class. And my teacher, he taught a shop and then he also took us down to a local job site so that we can watch the progression. And that really piqued my interest. I didn't know anything about architecture. (laughs) I didn't know anything about construction. So I started because of a teacher. So, you know, I thank you for that. You know, there is such a benefit to having early influence on both the architecture and the construction side. Mm -hmm. From what I've observed, my students that had both of those influences have fared better inside of industry Because if you're understanding the architecture piece, then you're understanding what the blueprints mean, 
and how to scale the models. Mm -hmm. If you understand the construction side, then you understand what the possibilities and plausibilities are because of building materials that are available and how they can perform. So having the exposure on both sides at an early age, I have seen extreme benefit from. Wow. And then just from your thoughts, why do you feel that it's so important to introduce the youth into our field? Oh man, it's super easy. I don't know many people that have never gone into some type of structure. Everyone goes into some type of structure, be it a school, a church, a hospital, a home, even a tent is a constructed building. Right. You know, and speaking to our, our homeless population, even they use construction principles when trying to assemble some type of structure for them to live in. Mm. You know, so it's vitally important that we even have that knowledge base. And it's also important because our buildings are windows into antiquity. So I have actually gone around the world studying ancient building techniques just out of a, a need to understand what does it look like for the transformation of a civilization mm. and the buildings left behind tell the stories long after the, the occupants have passed. Yes, ma'am. And when you think about ancient civilization, the fact that their structures are still standing yeah. and we've got to get rid of buildings, you know, after 50 <laughs> to 60 years. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, within the past year, I went to Chichen Itza, which is in the Yucatan Peninsula of Mexico. Mm-hmm. I've also traveled to Ireland and studied um, New Grange and Dow. I've been to Italy to stare at and look at all of the beautiful structures that they have in the canals of Venice. I mean, that city was built on top of water. Mm-hmm. And it's still standing. Yes, there's cracks in it, but that thing is still standing up. Yeah. So there's a lot that we can learn just by going back in time. And especially with renewable energy sources, understanding what building materials are more conductive of heat or cool mm-hmm. in order to have you know more sustainable opportunities, depending on where we are and what we do. It's so much stuff that you can just take from the flooring in Italy is primarily marble Mm -hmm. and so are the walls. So what they do is in the summertime, they do nothing to the floors and the walls because it radiates the coolness from the core of the earth. But in the wintertime, the way that they have their wooden and brick ovens flumed, the flume goes and it it rides up underneath and provides radiant heat throughout the marble. So there are so many things that we can learn from around the world. And when you have that radiant heat on that marble, sometimes you can't walk on the floor without shoes because it's so hot, but it makes the room feel so good. And it radiates the heat through the bed and other materials. So what you touch is warm. Just fascinating to see how the mindset is of people from around the world. So do you incorporate any of those principles into the education for the students? Oh, absolutely. Part of the reason that I travel so much and study other techniques from around the world is because it breaks up the monotony of this is a drill and the drill does this, mm-hmm. you know, and this is this technique. By being able to understand what happened in ancient times and how things progressed and transformed. I mean, even if you think about the blade of a circle saw, that invention was transformed from someone using a tooth of a animal tied to a stick just to start to chisel or cut. 
Mm. All right. And that particular incisor that was used from an animal, the ideas transformed over time, turning into a circle saw blade. Mm. So there's so many different things that we have available because of things that were were done in ancient times. I love that. I know that students are really benefiting from that. Um, do you feel that you're you're seeing an increase in students that want to um, learn about construction education? Yes, definitely. Um, when I started the program at the high school, I had five students in my graduating class. By the time I left the high school system, there were 27 kids in every class, and I taught four class periods a day, and there was a waiting list of kids that wanted to get in. So what I did was I made offerings for some after-school clubs and activities, and that's when the students from the art department, the agriculture department, the horticulture department, and even automotive would come over to learn about building trades. My first graduating class had about four to five students in it. From there, the program grew to 27 students per class. Because I only taught four classes a day, there was a waiting list of students that wanted to come to the class. And so what I did, I started making offerings for after school for kids that were in art department or the drama department or automotive or even horticulture to be able to come in and learn how to use the tools. Because in all of those areas, using tools is necessary. Wow. I think that's so great. I mean, my, my hats are off to educators, number one, just any type of, in any type of field, but definitely construction educators, because I think that that's going away from the schools a lot and everyone doesn't want to go to college. I always thought that trade school was wonderful for high school students because it gave them options, you know? It gave them the option to maybe go into an apprenticeship program to pick up a skilled trade. And even if they didn't want to go through with it, hey, maybe you can have some knowledge that, you know, as a homeowner, you can utilize these Mm -hmm. trades. So thank you so much for all you do. This is this is my pure. And I know it's probably rewarding. You know, I know that sometimes in construction, there's moments when you feel like, am I making a difference? Definitely what you're doing is making a difference. And and I thank you because we need people to follow behind us. They're being prepared. Yeah, I am a construction mommy to all of my construction babies. (laughs) So cool being kind of like a mother of construction as well as a mother in construction. Yes, yes, that's right. Mother of construction, that's right. You are definitely doing that. I want to segue into, you know, your total life experience with your mom. You have three boys. And one of the things that is a reality when you wear so many hats, Mm -hmm. sometimes it's not enough hours in a day. And one thing that we discussed was the fact that you raised three boys. You're also Mm -hmm. a caregiver to your mom and you're working and you're an entrepreneur and you're a teacher, like it's it's a lot, right? I want to talk about balance because one of the interesting things for me, women are having children later. I didn't start having children until I was 29, well, 30. And I think about my mom's generation. You know, my mom was done at 24. And then about our grandparents, they had children in their teens and their young 20s. And now women are having children well into their 40s. 
I think it's because a lot of women are more career minded. So we try to get to a certain point in our careers before we start thinking about having children. But what that does is that pushes you into the phase where you don't have that break in between raising your children until you then have to care for your parents, you know, or your grandparents. Right. So it's known as the sandwich generation. And it's something that you're experiencing right now. It's something that is impacting women in our industry So when you double being in a sandwich generation and then already being in an industry that's very demanding, balance is so important. So I just want you to talk about the importance of how you're balancing it all or whether or not you're still trying to figure it out. Oh, gosh, you never quite figure everything out. Let me start with that. (laughs) (laughs) I make the balance look really good and really easy for me. I'm on the tail end of motherhood from children I've birthed, but I'm on the mid-range end of mothering my mother, you know, because my mother is blind, but she also has Alzheimer's and dementia. So I'm mothering her. For me, the main thing that I focus on is only putting expectations on myself and not expectations on other people. Mm. Oftentimes we are taught to say, well, I expected you to do this. I wanted you to behave this way. I thought that you were going to do this certain course of action. And we can tell people real quick what we expect of them. Mm. But how often are we turning that lens and saying, what are we expecting of ourselves? So Some of the expectations that I have of myself are to be patient with others, to listen, to validate, to get rest when I need rest, to find time for laughter for myself, to find time to be meaningful with my friends and in my relationships, to find time to enjoy the theater or roller skating or whatever those it things are that pop in my brain. And I'm like, yo, that would be fun. I find time and make time for those and prioritize them because my life is honestly nonstop other than going out of town specifically to rest. Because in order for me to rest, I have to leave. Okay. As long as I'm in the city where I work and where my family is, I'm always doing something. But if I leave, even if it's just three or four hours down the road and get a hotel room, I'm able to shut my eyes and get a different night's sleep Mm. because I know that whatever's going on, I'm not close enough in proximity to do anything about. Wow. Wow. So you have to definitely prioritize yourself. And even with prioritizing yourself, you even have to prioritize what you put in your mouth and what you allow your mouth to put out. Mm. Okay. So um, I'm actually writing a TED talk right now on the power of no, F no, and no thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Because a no to someone else is a yes for yourself. And we have to get into this mind space of saying yes for things that we need. We're, we're mothers and we are very giving and we are very giving and we are very giving. It comes with the territory and it's a lovely space to be in. But sometimes we have to say, no, I'm not going to be able to take you to this party or I'm not going to be able to come to this particular event because the fact of the matter is I've been to 10 events and what I need to do is sleep or I'm not going to be able to come in and do this thing because what I really need to do is just go home and cook dinner. 
because mm. I don't want to grab some fast food outside the house because it's just not edifying to my stomach. <laughs> right. So therefore we do what we have to do and, and make those no's to other people. Yes, is to ourselves. I like that. And I know I can speak for myself and probably a lot of women in our industry because we struggle to get to the top or we struggle to be heard or have a place. And sometimes we think that that means saying yes to everything. That means inserting yourself in every situation and also trying to get your foot in the door by making statements, right? So no doesn't come all the time. And then, yes, we're nurturing, we're mothering. We we don't keep the nurturing at home. One thing Mm -hmm. about me, I I realized that I get overwhelmed a lot because I feel like I give everyone a hundred percent when everybody doesn't need to get all of that, you know, because you give everybody a hundred, you're leaving nothing for yourself. Mm -hmm. But no, it's hard. No, it's very hard for me. I'm, I'm trying to get there. I think I'm doing a little bit better, (laughs) but I'm better with it now because I've gotten to the point where, you know, I've been in situations where I'm like, I have nothing left, (laughs) you know, like complete. Right. Right. I'm going to give you a little secret about no. It translates in English, Italian, Spanish, Russian, German. (laughs) It's It's a universal universal word. Is no the only, I think no might be the only word that's that universal word because yes is even different in different languages, but no, you're right. Right, it's a universal word. Like I can use it like everywhere. <laughs> that is so powerful. Yes, no. <laughs> you want to join this group? You want to do this? You want to do that? Uh, No. Yeah. <laughs> Boundary. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's it's so easy. You can say it so nicely. No, 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 no. <laughs> you can flex how you use it. It can come off sweet too, but yeah. but the meaning stays the same. <laughs> no, that's 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 really good advice. It definitely is because at some point, you know, you can't run away from the responsibilities. If you want to be there and you want to be present for your children, for your mom for work, for your career, for your goals, for your dreams, then that means that you've got to split yourself into so many different parts. So yes, you have to be intentional about that. No, when it comes to protecting your space so that you can still have time. So yeah, that's, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I'm going to do a TED talk on that. I'm just going and putting that in the universe. Now that is my next TED talk. Not that I've done one yet, but that's my next one. (laughs) (laughs) And it will be a good one. You always look at women And then you start to hear their stories and you get so amazed as to how are you making all of this work, you know, and then still looking beautiful, still becoming involved, not really turning into a hermit, right? You're still out there. You're still doing things. So yes, I I wonder, wow, how is she doing all that? And yes, that that was a very simple answer. I know when to say no. (laughs) I had to learn how to do that. It didn't come because I was just born with, oh, I can just say no. When I hit 50 years old, I started having nothing left to give for a lot of stuff. Mm. Zero, as we call it, Mm. just none left. And I really started to protect my sanctuary, which is my home and my heart. And part of that was learning to say no. But what's even more interesting is while it's easier to give the no, it's harder to receive the no. Mm. Yes. So we have to learn what it looks like to receive the no 
from other people in our world, in business, in our families, in our romantic relationships with our parents. So that reception of a no is a whole nother ball game that I'm still trying to figure out and formulate how to articulate that in the words. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So what other advice do you have for women in our industry? Oh, have a sense of humor. Mm -hmm. You know, just being in the industry, there are a lot of misconceptions, preconceived notions about the abilities of a woman. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how many times I step into a space where people have no knowledge of me and the underestimating uh, verbiage starts to come into my ears. Mm -hmm. I smile. I laugh. I just keep on doing what I do. And then people are like, oh, wait a minute, hold up, hold up. Who are you? And what are you? What, 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 what? I'm like, baby, it's the brain that matters. Yes. Okay. Don't worry about my packaging. It's the brain that matters. Okay. Yes. And so just laugh it off when people underestimate you. Don't take it so seriously. They just don't know. And you're standing in the gap for someone that's coming down the pipeline that looks like you that will know in the future. So just go and mother them. Teach them what they need to know about understanding our capabilities. You know, take all that other stuff with a grain of salt and make it better for the next generation of women. That That's great advice. It's wonderful because you know what? It is very hard. You know, I'm talking to a young lady that I mentor and it's the same thing. I said, don't let people steal your joy because if you take it in and if you cling on to everything that's said to you, every time someone underestimates you, every time you're the secretary, every time someone walks to mm-hmm. someone underneath you for guidance on a project that you're running, you know, or every time someone doesn't invite you to a meeting or every time somebody doesn't look you in the eye and talks to your male counterpart. If we focused mm-hmm. on all of that all day, we'd be miserable. And some women are miserable. Yes. Some are, yeah. some are, some are getting burned out. Some right. are getting, and it's not right. burned out. You can get burned out from the the hours and the intensity of this industry, but a lot of people are just getting burned mm-hmm. out with those type of things, and you get tired of it. But yeah, you're right. You gotta, yeah. you can't hold on to everything. No, yeah. you can't. One of the most empowering things that one of my former students told me, he was pouring cement for a hospital system here in the greater Dallas area. And he said that there was a young lady on the job site and some of the guys were kind of joking around and kidding around about her physique. Mm. And he said, yo, man, she looks like my construction mother and she's capable. Quit all that talking about her. Wow. Okay. Got she's she's got more inside of her brain in order to do this than we do. And they looked at him and they looked at this brown skinned woman and they looked at this blonde haired, blue eyed man saying she looks like my construction mother. Mm, yes, Miss <laughs> Tammy. He stopped the men from having these discriminatory tones for a woman because of my availability in his life, Mm. he's now able to pass on a gift. And isn't that what mothers do? We give birth and we give rise to the next generation. That's right. I could not have had a prouder moment when he called me. He was like, mama, let me tell you what happened at work. (laughs) (laughs) But I love getting those phone calls from my construction children about their experiences out in the field. And I really know that because 
I was positioned in their lives and I saw over a hundred kids a year during the time that I was in the school system, you know, that's 500 people that I was able to impact. But now I'm able to grow that impactfulness by having my YouTube channel and having my garage school. So we're just passing it on in a different way. Yes. That was awful. That was a wonderful story. And yes, thank you to him because that's what it's all about. Like you said, that's full circle. That That is it working. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's there's a beautiful article. It's called, I think it's Working in Construction, The Physicality of Work, How to Keep You Young. I have to find the exact name of the article that I did a couple of years ago, but he's actually a feature in that particular article mm-hmm. because the article talks about um, staying fit for a lifetime and how a life in construction can help you do that. This gentleman was kissing 300 pounds when I first met him. And because of getting involved in construction, he has trimmed down to a supermodel looking kind of guy. (laughs) Yeah. There's so many benefits of this career path that are underestimated. You know, people don't even know. People ask me often, do I work out? And my answer is no, I'm only one size bigger than I was in high Mm. school. And that's because... My whole life and my whole day is spent lifting, pushing, pulling, drilling constantly on the go. I'm never stagnant. So it has impacted me from a health aspect for years because it's kept me physically Mm. fit. You know, I get a little tired. Sometimes my elbows hurt if I'm using an impact drill for an extended period of time. But I will pull myself back or say no to that and let someone else do it in order to preserve my arms. So, you know, I'm just listening to my body and doing what it's asking of me. So that's why I have to stay in the construction education space now (laughs) to let the next generation learn what to do. And I don't have to do it. That's right. I thank you so much for joining us. This has been been a blessing. A lot of good nuggets, a lot of good information. I'm going to play this back for myself. Well, I can't wait to share it as well. And thank you for everyone who has decided to take part and listen. Huge thank you for telling you for doing the Mothers in Construction. Your work is extremely impactful, necessary. And you know what? It's just what we bison do. Yes. Thank you to my guests for joining us. And thank you for tuning in to MIC. Please be sure to check us out every Thursday. And don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're using so that you don't miss an episode when we drop. Remember, being a mom in this industry is about making sacrifices, but you do not have to sacrifice your dreams. If someone else has done it, you can as well. Do what you got to do and make it happen.